Okay, thank you, ladies. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians today. The book of Ephesians, New Testament, chapter 4. And if you have a cell phone, just be sure you got it off or turn it down if you would. We live in a whole different generation. I went to Moldova, Romania, several years ago. Third world country. Pastor got up to introduce me to speak, and he said, "One, all you ought to turn off your cell phones here in a third world country. Everybody had a cell phone. Amazing how they communicate around the world with cell phones, and sometimes uh, we are being broadcast around the world." I had a young man. I told church about it here a while back. I said, "Young man, he seemed like he was in his twenties, probably." He called me from Thailand, and he said, "I heard you on your radio broadcast." And that we have on three stations uh, locally, WRKB and WRNA, AM and FM. And uh, he said, I heard you on the broadcast. If you can get me to America, I will teach for you in your Christian school. I have no clue who he is, uh, but he wanted to come to America. I can understand that part of it. And I told him I'd just pray for him, but that wasn't interested right now. Number one, couldn't afford it. Number two, didn't need him. Number three, didn't know him. And that made a tremendous difference. But you never know who you're talking to uh, by way of internet nowadays. And we need to realize that and maybe God, know God can use it for His honor and glory. I want to talk to us today about coming together. Coming together. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing to the Ephesians church. And uh, I'll make several other references in the New Testament by the writings of the Apostle Paul. Uh, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, the Apostle Paul, was not only a brethren to the saints of God, he was a prisoner oftentimes in prison by his preaching of the gospel in the streets. They locked him up. He eventually would be put in prison and had his head severed from his body there in Rome. Uh, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation. That's not vacation, that's vocation. Wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness, underline that word, and meekness, underline that word, with long suffering, underline that word, forbearing, underline that word, one another in love. The key verse is endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. And then turn over to the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, just over a few pages. And let's begin reading in verse 1. Paul again, writing from a prison cell. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, that the same love being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem himself, each team others better than himself. And then back to chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conversation or your manner of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, and that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. 
May God add His blessings to the reading of the Word of God. I heard my daddy years ago say before we pray, we talked about the word unity being of one mind. He said, you can take two sore-tailed cats, tie their tails together, throw them over a clothesline. He said, you have union, but you don't have unity. There's a lot of truth in that. They're not unified together in the right way. I want to talk about unity of spirit today. We all need to be on the same page, going in the same direction, and working together for the cause of Christ. And striving together, working together, fighting together, laboring together in the vineyard. May God add His blessings uh, to the reading of the Word of God and that which God may give me to say this morning. Father, speak to our hearts today. Help me to be tender to the Holy Spirit. Help me to be as slow as I possibly can without getting in a hurry. May you help clear my throat, clear the problem I may have as I speak. And may, Lord, I have the energy to do what you want me to do this morning. I yield myself to you the best way I know how. Pray for the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. And whatever's accomplished, Lord, I'll praise you for it. I'm your vessel, and I pray for the fresh oil upon my life, upon my head, upon my mind, upon my soul, upon my very body. The best way I know how, I yield myself to you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. I realize today we live in a lot of artificialities. A lot of folks have artificial parts of the body. This folks were in a boat one time and this lady fell overboard and this man was trying to rescue her. So he reached over to grab her and her artificial arm come off. And then he reached again and her artificial leg come off. And he reached for her head and her wig come off. And he says, lady, if you want me to save me, you've got to pull yourself together. <laughs> so what I want us to do is pull ourselves together. Every once in a while, we just need to evaluate our lives, see where we're at. Somebody says about their self, everyone for self, if I'm not for me, who will be? The culture elevates the importance of my rights. I've heard this all my life, and I've probably said it myself. I've got my rights. I've got my rights. And we often say that. I don't know what altogether we mean by it. Sometimes I wonder if we know what we mean ourselves. But if I am not for me, who will be? Is anybody for me? And the Bible says the Lord is for us. If the Lord be for us, who can be against us? And I'm glad that I'm on God's side. I'm not asking him to be on my side. I want to be on his side. And I want to do the will of God. Have one life to live, to assume be passed. I was thinking about Brother Allen. His daughter was telling me yesterday, and if you knew Brother Allen Morrison very well, uh, he was always just doing this, going up shouting, shouting. And sometimes you do like this. Sometimes you do like this. But when he was dying, he was playing music in his ear and there for a while. And when he was conscious, before he went, when he went unconscious, uh, he would try to raise his hand, and, and he, Jesus loves me, and he can only go up so far. He couldn't go, couldn't go up like this. He'd go that far as he could go. And they said, Jesus loves you. And he said, shook his head, yes. He couldn't get it all the way up here, but he got it this far. And I'm glad he got it that far to say, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. All you really need to know is that God loves you. And Jesus can make a difference in your life and how important that is that we walk and we work together as saints of God in the work of the Lord. And one of these days, the battle is going to be over. We're going home to heaven. It's not going to matter about a lot of things we think are important. Sometimes we put some emphasis where emphasis not need to be, including me. This is a we sermon and needs to be made very important. But unity is very important. It's a very sacred word in the Bible. 
the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, and I read to you a while ago, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Let me turn back there and read it just again one more time. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me turn right back there if I can find it right in verse 3. Endeavoring, working at, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And the unity of the Spirit is so important in the Old Testament. In the book of Psalms 133, it talks about the, how precious it is, how wonderful odor it is to run down the beard of Aaron, the high priest, the presence of God, the unity of the Spirit. Pray for it. That God will give that to us. Me first. Sometimes we're taught that uh, very early in life. K-5 children graded on how, how they worked and played together. They had a little, little, they grade each kid in the K-5, how they worked together with the other children. And I thought about that, how do I measure up sometimes in working with other folks? How do I measure up in the K-5 class? I don't know how it was. By the way, we didn't have K-5 class when we were young. We started, we went straight from, went to first grade, we never had K-5. How many went to K-5? How many did not have K-5 when you was a kid? Most of the class. You know why? We were smarter. That's all. We just, we just skipped K-5 altogether and went straight to first grade. But there's doing that grading the kids on how they worked with each other in K-5. And I thought, about how, do we, how would I do? How would I do working to, with other folks? Because sometimes it's difficult to do it. To the children, somebody says, God wants us to get along. Somebody was teaching, said, God wants us to get along and love each other. God wants us all to be one. To which the little girl replied, but I don't want to be one. He said, why? She says, because I want to be four. You get that one? Don't make me one years old. Make me four years old. That one, he wouldn't talk about that. He said, I want us to be one. All working together to be one. That's what the Bible talks about so often. We're one in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean that we always agree on everything because sometimes we don't. And not everybody always agrees with the preacher. Sometimes you can be wrong. Sometimes I can be wrong. I've probably been wrong a lot of times in my life, and you probably have too. And one of the best things in the world is to admit it very quickly and move on to the next chapter of our life. There's some virtues I want to give you out of the passage today, the Lord willing. First of all, the one, one first word is humility. In verse 2 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. Let's go back there and I'll try to keep my focus, if I can, on the passage. Ephesians chapter 4. Go back one more time. Verse 2, with low, all lowliness, it's an unusual word, all lowliness and meekness. Those two words sort of pinned together to give a good phrase about the word humility. With all lowliness and meekness, and meekness carries with it kindness or gentleness, but all lowliness, humility. Acts twenty nineteen, when Paul was given his great sermon to the Ephesian elders, he says, I have served you with all humility. The best I know how, I've served you with humility. Humility is a Latin word which means getting down on the ground. The word humus in Latin, literally getting down on the ground before others. Being willing to be servant to all. The Apostle Paul spent three years in the place at Ephesus. And he said, I have served you with humility the best I know how. It's not about me. It's about the work of God, about the work of Christ. And I've done the very best I know how. Somebody says when you get down low before others, you'll find what the purpose of life is all about. It's not about me. It's not about my wants. It's not about how I'm treated. Somebody says I'm not going to be mistreated in life. Tell the Apostle Paul that. Tell him. 
that you shouldn't be mistreated, Paul, for what you've done. You were saved on the road to Damascus, and God struck you down, called you into the ministry, went to three years on the backside of a desert, and God taught you in a theological class and taught you the great truths, and you wrote some of the greatest books in the Bible, 13 epistles written by the hand of the Apostle Paul. People ought not to mistreat you. Very quickly, you find the Apostle Paul being mistreated. He was let down over a wall in a basket one time to try to escape for his life. He was stoned to death in the streets of Damascus. Uh, he was in prison over and over again. When he came to town, he would look for the nearest jail because that's where he would end up. He was beaten many times. As a matter of fact, he was beaten by 39 stripes, saved twice. Uh, he was beaten with uh, cat and nine tails. He was beaten to a pulp, left for dead several times. And so don't, mis- don't mistreat Paul. He's the greatest saint of God. But because he was a great saint of God, he was persecuted over and over again. And I'm not above that, and I'm not trying to say I want to be persecuted. I don't want to be beaten to a pulp, but I'm not above that. I'm going to be willing to yield myself to the cause of Christ. And the Apostle Paul eventually would die, as I said a while ago in the prayer, I think it was, that he would die at Rome. On that day when Paul was sentenced to death and said you would die at the execution, the Bible doesn't say this, but this history says that he was put to death at the guillotine. And the Roman Empire put him to death. And when they come to get the Apostle Paul out of prison and took him down to the street, and there was a giant guillotine there for execution when the emperor would raise his hand and drop his hand, that meant for the blade to fall and the head to be severed. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy before he died, some weeks before that, I fought a good fight, I kept the faith, finished the course. Henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not for me only, but for all those that love his appearing. Maybe the Apostle Paul was quoting it again as he walked down the cobble streets of Rome. I fought a good fight, I kept the faith, I finished the course. Henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me, and not for me only, but for all of those who love his appearing. And there the Apostle Paul laid his head down on the block, and when the hand come down from the emperor in the noonday glistening sun, that blade came and severed the head of Apostle Paul from off his shoulders. And it fell down in the street and rolled like a basketball, bloody. They picked up his head, no doubt, and buried it. Picked up his body and buried it. And the Apostle Paul died a martyr's death for the cause of Christ. Don't mistreat me, somebody says. We shouldn't mistreat Apostle Paul. Paul says, I yield myself to God, whatever may come across my path. But in this Christian walk together, we ought to be willing to say, Lord, whatever may come across my path, I want to accept because it comes from you. God will allow nothing to come across my path except it be by divine permission. And sometimes the Lord allows things to come to my path I don't particularly like. Sometimes he allows things to come across your path that you may not particularly like. But it ought to be done with humility and grace. See, humility is that grace that when you... Have it, and let me read it again. Humility is that grace when you know you have it, you have lost it. When you think you got it, you don't have it. But I'm a humble Christian. It's sort of like uh, somebody made this statement. They said they got a new book I've written. This book I've just written, and I, I call it The Ten Most Humble Men and How I Met the Other Nine. That's how humble I am. Can you imagine... Somebody feeling that proud about themselves. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Others, Lord, let me live for others. Let me live like thee. 
The Lord Jesus Christ never put the emphasis on his, him. He put the emphasis on the power and the grace he had, but not on himself. He was so humble that he was willing, I said the other day, uh, to wash the disciples' feet, take the role of a servant. He said, I come not to be served, but to serve. I'm talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about the majesty of majesties. I'm talking about the Lord of lords, the God of gods. He was willing to condescend down and take the role of a servant over and over again. When his disciples should have, and they did on occasion, but most of the time they were looking what was in it for them. Remember the apostles who said, uh, we want to have a seat at your right hand. Uh, we want some special reward in heaven. When we get there, we're looking for rewards. And the Lord tenderly taught them, I'm not passing out rewards now. I'm passing out crosses. Rewards will come at the end, and you'll be rewarded someday. But right now I'm passing out crosses. Must I be carried on fairy beds of ease while others fight through bloody seas to win the prize? What kind of cross are you carrying today? What kind of cross am I carrying? Are you carrying a cross? I mean, has the Lord allowed some cross? A cross is not just a physical impairment. It may be a thorn in the flesh, like some folks refer to things the Apostle Paul had he could not get removed. We may have some thorns in the flesh. I may have some of those. I may have some temporary like I'm facing now. I do not know. It may be permanently. And I'm trying to thank God for what I'm going through. At the same time, I ask God to heal my body and show favor to me. But whether He does or not, it doesn't. I want to keep on serving God as long as I can. As long as I've got health, I want to go. I want to do what God called me to do. And yet I realize that I'm in God's hand no matter what. I like that scripture in Psalm says, my, my times are in His hands. I know not how long I'll live, how long you'll live. But one of these days, the time's going to close. The clock's going to tick for the last time. And you're going to go out this world. As I said Wednesday night, a lifeless lump of clay, you'll fall with the teaching, will drop on a pulseless chest, the blood will cease to flow, and your heart will cease to beat, and your life will be over. What have I done for Jesus Christ? It's going to matter. Ain't going to matter about a lot of things. Not going to matter how much money you had. Not going to matter what size house you had. Not going to matter what kind of car you drove. I was talking to somebody this week. They were singing at a church, and their wife died, and uh, God bless the man. He seemed to be a Christian man, but he had two Mustangs, uh, same model, same same kind, just different color. And uh, the preacher said, "What you do with two Mustangs?" He said, "One for me, one for my wife." He said, "What you going to do with the one your wife just died? What you going to do with that one?" He says, "I'm just going to hang on to it in memory of my wife." Well, he said, "Won't you give it to somebody in the family?" He said, "Don't want to. Just want to hang on to it." And I don't know if that's selfishness or mental, just sense being sentimental. But I have two Mustangs. We got to talk about last night some things. As you get older, you give things away. You find as you get older, you don't need all those things that you think are important. Uh, And you find yourself giving things away more and more as you get older. And how true that is. You can't take it with you. You came naked. I'm going to bust your bubble right now. I'm going to tell you something you don't know. This is a great... Write this down. You got it in your mind? You got to write it down? Naked come you in this world and naked you you shall leave. You came in with nothing, and you're going out with nothing. The only exception is this, that you can go out with God Almighty in your soul and face eternity with assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I can go out and assure that all is well with my soul. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. Let come what may. Let come what will. Thank God He redeemed me by the blood of the crucified Lamb of God. He arose from the dead to give me victory over death, hell, and the grave. And I'm His, sealed by 
the divine power of the Holy Spirit of God as a down payment to say everything's alright, everything's going to be good, everything's wonderful. You live for me and serve me until the day I call you out of this world. Hallelujah for the Lamb of God. Amen. Makes all the difference in the world. I don't know about you, but I just want to live for Him. I'm not interested so much in things. I'm glad for a house. I'm glad for a car. I had a, got a new car last year, last September, bought a car. Well, not used. It was a little used. Had a few miles on it. And I, this light flashed up, a warning light. I wasn't sure what it was. And then it flashed up said, low air pressure. It tells me what tires are low. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it not, I didn't have to guess at all. It said, right rear, 24 pounds. Right front, 27 pounds. Left front, 36 pounds. Left front, back, 34 pounds. So my son, of course, had a air hose and everything. So I said, would you take care of that for me? And he said, oh, yeah, bring it down tomorrow. So I took it down this morning and, or yesterday morning and got some air put in. And while I was getting air put in the tires, I heard the oddest noise I ever heard from a cow. I mean, that cow was a building like it had died and went to heaven or something. I don't know, it was just going on awful. It bellered and bellered and bellered and bellered. And I looked over at a little calf over next to the fence. I said, Andrew, what's the matter with that cow? She's hungry. She's hungry? Yeah, he said, that's the cow that the mother re- rejected. And she won't feed it. So I've got to feed that calf in just a minute. She saw me. See, when, she come out, when you come outside, she saw me. She's bellering for me. She's bellering for you. Yeah, bellering for me. And I said, he said, I'll take care of this problem just a minute as soon as I get air in your tire. And the cow, calf just kept on bellowing and bellowing. I thought I was dying. I looked over, poor little calf, being rejected by his mama. By the way, the Lord don't reject us. Amen. I'm just grateful I throw that in there somewhere. It's got to fit in this illustration somewhere. So then I looked over, and here comes Andrew with two big old bottles, one about this size, two of them. And he goes over, and that calf comes running like a little kid to his hands. And he fed that little calf out of them big old bottles. And, and finally, the calf looked up at him, looked like I called him. Mama Cow. See, Andrew, call him Mama Cow. <laughs> it looked like he's so tender how he took care of that calf. I don't know what in the world I had to do with the illustration. I was trying to get, you know, go somewhere with that story. Uh, anyhow, I just told it. <laughs> It'll come to me just a minute. Go back to humility. Maybe the calf had humility. Andrew had humility. I had to laugh. I thought how funny life is sometimes in watching things happen. But I'm glad that God's in control and God watches over us and God cares for us and takes care of us. The only other thing that had the illustration, I said, you go put that on a bottle the rest of its life. No, sir, it's going to start eating grass. <laughs> like the rest of the cow is going to eat. So anyhow, I hope that happens. But the confusion is we try sometimes to be better than somebody else. We try to lift ourselves up. We try to make ourselves look good. We don't want to look bad in situations. Now, that's human nature. We're all guilty. I'm guilty of a lot of things in my life. The biggest battle I have is pride. You may not think you have that battle. Let me just give you an illustration. Sometimes when you get weary in life, it's often the result of trying to do more than God intends. And which means I'm letting Him not order my day. If God orders your day, He's got what you can do. When I try to push beyond that, I can get weary in my own doing. Be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. 
Sometimes you try to do more than you, you get worried about life. The cares of life choke you out. The very thoughts of life choke you out so you almost make life miserable. Angry, you ever been angry? Can mean I'm not trusting God and His sovereignty, His plan, His timing, and I'm trying to take control of them. I've been angry before. And I'm, I know there's a good there's a righteous anger, righteous indignation. Sometimes we get angry at things that you can't control. And the reason we get angry sometimes is because we've got pride in our life. A critical spirit, the sorry act of bringing others down in order to lift myself up, often points to an inflated sense of self. Read that again because I found myself being critical. A critical spirit, the sorry act of bringing others down in order to lift myself up, to make myself look good. That's an inflated sense of self. That's pride. The Bible says, humble yourself in the mighty hand of God and He shall lift you up. I don't need to compare myself to anybody else. I am what I am with the grace of God. You don't need to either. Just be yourself. Be who you are. You know, when I watch certain folks and the talent and the ability they have, there's a degree, boy, I wish I could do that. Then I realize God didn't call me to do that. It's like preachers sometimes. If you ain't careful, you'll try to find competing with other preachers. That's not good. You are who you are. Some folks sing, and they have a tremendous ability. And you say, boy, I wish I could sing like that. There's nothing wrong with wishing you could sing, but you don't have to say I'm envious or jealous of them. They may have a better talent than you've got. And you just use what God's got given you and you use it for the glory of God. Be careful. One of the best ways that I've learned how to realize I've got pride, and it may happen before the day's over, is a defensive reaction to criticism. When anybody criticizes you, how do you react? It's a very good way of how to show what kind of pride you got in your life. When you're defensive to criticism, Sometimes you feel despondent after failure. You feel like the whole world is against you. You take yourself too seriously. You think too mightily of yourself. This, this, just, this human body is going to drop in the grave someday. What we have is the God's soul, and He wants to direct our life. And the Apostle Paul gave us a great admonition when he says, With all loneliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. He taught us how to live. If you want to follow the life of Jesus Christ, if I want to follow it, it makes a tremendous difference in walking with Him. When we demand our way and our, and, and, and our way over others, when we think our way is superior to everybody else's way, I told somebody recently some of the greatest things I've learned here at our church is some other folks have good ideas. I don't have all the ideas in the world. I mean, I ask people all the time, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, if, I, if there's some ideas I've had and I'm grateful for it and God gave me some inspiration from time to time. But I don't have all the ideas. And there's things that need to be done. There's things that should be done. And I'm grateful that they may not be done. They may get my approval to get it done and we'll talk about it. But the fact is, sometimes we don't feel like, well, my idea is better than somebody else's idea. Maybe it is. What do you do? What do you do when people, when they don't brag on you? How do you feel? How do you react? Just remember, if and I've told you this before, when any time somebody says that's a good sermon, thank him and forget it. When somebody says you did a good job, say, Brian come to the platform a while ago, shook my hand. I said, Brian, good Sunday school lesson this morning. He said, thank you, and that's it. He don't need to walk off and say, I sure did a good job in Sunday school today. Boy, I wish other folks could have heard it. No, he did a good job, talked the lesson, that's good. All the glory goes to God. So whoever you are and whatever you do, all the glory goes to God. It doesn't go to man. It doesn't go to the women. 
And sometimes we feel sort of puffed up. Paul talked about being puffed up in the spirit and the flesh. We have to be very, very careful. And all of us, including me, have to be careful. That humility of spirit, that gentleness. Colossians chapter 3 talks about uh, kindness and mercy. It needs to be in our lives all the time. The brokenness of like a horse being broken and how a horse can be broken by somebody to where it can be tamed enough for any individual to get on top of that big horse and take the reins and pull it either way they want to go, forward or left or right, or giddy up or stop, and they're able to do it. And Sometimes we find ourselves not being controlled by God, controlled by flesh. I'm either controlled by God or controlled by flesh. And I would to God I was controlled more by God and less by flesh. I preached last week, and we'll finish the sermon eventually in just a few weeks. But I have three, three enemies, and that's the flesh and the world and the devil. And those three enemies fight me all the time. And the world is that system out here that's organized out here outside the wickedness that the devil oversees. The devil oversees the world. He's the prince of the air and the god of this world and all the wickedness thereof. And it's out there to tempt us and to try to divert us and get us away from God. And the flesh or the internal enemy that constantly seeks to be satisfied and gets, gets upset easily, gets perturbed and wants to be in control over and over again of our lives. We just need to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to say, help me to be kind, help me to be gentle, help me to be sweet in my nature. It doesn't mean you're a sissy. It doesn't mean you don't try to just forget things. You, you, you face life. You, life's tough. you got to make tough decisions. But when you live your life, you try to live it with a life and realizing that you want to make Jesus look good. I heard somebody say that this morning, maybe last night. You need to make God look good. Bobby Robinson is a classic illustration. He's heaven now, gospel-like Baptist church in Winston-Salem, Walkertown. And uh, they were at a restaurant one night, and uh, the waitress was slow. The food was slow coming out. And somebody was getting sort of perturbed because they're taking so long to get the food out. And they got sort of anxious about it. They just want to say some things to the waiter, waitress about it. And Bobby Robinson said, no, I'd rather not do that. Somebody in the back maybe having a rough time. Maybe the cook didn't show up or maybe somebody was overloaded. Let's just pray for them. And so she heard that. She went back in the kitchen. <clears throat> the waitress did. She said, somebody out here told us to, they praying for us back here. And the guy said, it sounds like Bobby Robinson out there too, it sounds like. And it was. Bobby Robinson was showing kindness and gentleness. You know, you ever been to a restaurant where the food didn't come out? And you said, well, I'm tired of sitting here. I'll go somewhere else to get my food. It may be a young lady who's just had a divorce. Maybe a young lady who just had a baby. Maybe somebody who's having a trouble in her home. Maybe somebody's having a battle of her life. She's troubled and sorrowed, trying to make out a living to survive. And you're unkind to her. And I've shared this with you because I learned it from somebody else, and I'm grateful I did. When I find a waitress having a tough time, I double tip her. I give her more tip than I would normally. If somebody treats me fine, I give them a good tip. But if they treat me bad, I give them a more of a tip. You say it don't make sense. But some of those folks are having a tough, tough time in life. And you don't know what tough, tough time they're having. And it may be the very thing that breaks them and helps them realize somebody cares. And somebody shows them. And along with that, you give a track to give them the gospel. God loves you. And, you, and I've heard that story told many times. And men of God have learned how, and women of God have learned how to show affection. Uh, one lady who spoke one of her retreats years ago how that she found herself in the motel, always making up the bed and always tidying up before she left. 
and left it cleaner than it was when she got there and commented the, the housekeeping, left a tip to the housekeeping. Thank you so much for taking care of the room. We enjoyed this stay. God bless you. You seem like a wonderful lady, or whatever the case may have been, and leaving a tip in the room. I'm not saying you're supposed to do all that stuff, but I'm saying sometimes you can reach out beyond your sphere and show your love and compassion. What would Jesus do if he was here today in this world? You know, I'm trying to learn some valuable lessons because something, uh, I did something dumb today, something irritated me. Something sort of inconvenienced me, sort of test my patience, that long suffering. I got to church this morning. I get here usually between 7.30 and 8. Got here 15 to 8 this morning and uh, spend a little time praying, then phone call and talked a while. And then I realized I had on a pair of shoes, both of them were right foot. I had two right foot shoes on. Then I got two pair of shoes about the same color, but a different style. So I had one shoe going this way, one shoe going this way. I got up to walk and it looked just funny and I thought, I'm going to trip over myself and kill myself. And uh, I looked at that and I said, well, that's ridiculous. And it was 9.30. 9.30. I said, I can get to the house and get back by Sunday school time. And so I started home. And I got over to the well, fire department and all the police were there. Three of them sitting there. So I didn't speed. That reminded me to slow down. And I got to the house. I found my shoe, changed shoes, got back, and I made it about 10.05. I was just a few minutes late. But it could have been a real irritation to me. I got to laughing coming back home. I really looked stupid. I mean, I'm telling you, I was just like this. I told I told I told Wayne that's that's a ridiculous looking. I walked outside to take a smoke, just see if you're still awake. And uh, I just stuck my foot out like that. I said I can't walk like this. I'll fall down shores of the world. Well, I'm not saying the Lord caused that. I'm not saying the Lord did that. The Lord could remind me. Sometimes He just lets us do things. Sometimes He just lets us do things, and teaches us valuable lessons as we go along. You can get all upset about it. The worst thing that could happen, I could have been late for Sunday school and I could have missed Sunday school totally or I could have just left it like it was and come to the pulpit and preach like that. I could have done that. But all I'm trying to get across is this humility is important in our life is to humble ourselves down. It has some gentleness about it. Christians ought to be gentle and kind. We teach our little kids, be you kind one to another. We teach them that real early. Be you kind now, be kind. I'm supposed to be kind also. You pray for me that I can be kind, dure, more like the Lord Jesus Christ. See, salvation is just the beginning. When you get saved, you put your name in the book of life. You start the educational process. You start in the kindergarten class spiritually. And you begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, you become more and more like the Lord Jesus. We're being conformed to His image. And He says that we are to be transformed by His power and transformed into His likeness. And may God help us to make Jesus look good. Amen. And if we do that, I think it would make a tremendous difference in our working together and getting things done for the cause of Christ. I was in, we went out so many yesterday. We met at 10 o'clock. had a pretty good group of guys. They didn't know if it was going to rain or not. And uh, we got here and had prayer and got on the bus. Went over in Jackson Park area to knock on some doors. And about the time we got, Willie was driving the bus. 
That's a prayer request in itself when Willie's driving the bus. And we're trying to work together with Willie driving the bus. But he does a good job and does it every, week, every month usually. But about the time we got out and they got out to start knocking on doors, it started raining. And we figured it may quit just a minute, but it kept on raining. So I saw from a distance, I saw Willie over here with his, with the Kinston is over here talking to somebody. And then we started driving around picking up folk. And we saw folks talking to folks, still talking to folks. It was raining. And then we eventually come and saw Gary Chapree standing on the corner, soaking wet. We thought about just leaving him there. Would that be all right? <laughs> but uh, we picked him up, put him in the, put him in the van. I mean, put him in, he got in the bus. But he'd been out there talking to somebody, had prayer with somebody on a rainy day, as was other guys did. Now, it looks probably crazy out there in the rain, door knocking. But I'm so proud of our guys. At least they were out there trying to do something for the cause of Christ. Did you know God may honor the try as well as the cry? God may honor the effort as much as the exercise. God knows what's in people's hearts. Thank God for those who are able to go and even get wet. And we come back to the church and then the sun came out. But I'm grateful to God for His blessings. I'm just learning how to be kind to people. And not just working together for the cause of all the things that are happening. Uh, it's a busy next couple of months trying to put, put it all together with the help of the Lord. The next three months are going to be busy, busy, busy. I'm talking about with the ladies' retreat coming up this coming weekend, homecoming to follow that, the whole month of November right through December. It'll be very, very busy times. I want to thank you in advance for working together, being patient with each other, because sometimes things can get sort of hairy if you're not careful. Just loving each other, loving the preacher. I love you. So I'm going to say it out loud over on this side. I love you. It's good to hear that. Everybody on the same page. Larry, do you love me? I don't. Th- by the way, Larry, thanks for making those track racks. Did a good job. Most of you know Larry like lost his thumb working on track racks. Looks good, buddy. Praise the Lord. I love you. A little more emotion. <laughs> Say it again. Thank you so much. Just tell these folks over here you love them. You tell these folks you love them. I love y'all. <laughs> Somebody said, what do you do that? Because if you get anybody that you don't like, it's a good time to settle it. I love you. I love you. That's good. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you, and I hope you love each other. I want our church to be known and see how they love one another. That's the book of Acts. Christian people need to love each other. Let's do it for the glory of God, not what we can get out of it. Sometimes it takes some sacrifice. Sometimes it takes extra work. Sometimes some people have got to go the second mile to get things done for the glory of God. The humility, the gentleness, the patience, the long-suffering, all the things that go to fit it together in a Christian's life. Paul said, let's endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. It'll make a tremendous difference. Let's stand together, please, for prayer. Thank you for your patience today. Father God, it's amazing what praising can do. It's amazing what the love of God being multiplied in our lives can do 
Oh, how we need to love each other. The world's full of hate. The world's full of animosity. The Lord, the world is full of all kinds of conflict. A lot of hurting people in the world today from those in Morocco where the earthquake hit, from those who are suffering in various tragedies across the country and around the world, from Hawaii, from one side of the world to the next. Many, many people are going through heartbreak. Lord, I know sometimes we've got to stand strong, we've got to stand firm for what we believe. We're to love people regardless. And yet at the same time, Lord, we may be persecuted for our faith. Help us to stand tall and bold for the cause of Christ. Help us realize that we give our rights to you. Lord, we don't have any rights. We'll be bought with a price. That price is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we walk humbly with our God and do show mercy and kindness. And Lord, may our church be noted for that. I trust, Lord, something from the simplicity of these words today could have the impact on somebody's life. It was not a great sermon, but it was a great truth. It was not a great delivery, but the message is real and true. And I pray, God, you honor your word today. And may you get honor and glory for it and from it. And may you be magnified. Maybe somebody here, Lord, not saved. They need to come get right with God. Somebody may be backslid away from you. I pray, God, you'll speak to them today. Help folks to come and do business at the altar. If that be the need, may your will be accomplished. Save people from hell, save them from the judgment of God, that they can go to heaven when they die. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's begin to sing. Amen.